since everything an actor does is is relationship building, networking, uh, in, at least in some part or parcel. So we say these are talent and educational, which they are, but then everybody can go, well, you know, they're also networking. You know, the actors also want something. And I say, duh, that's true of everything an actor does. We're listening to Inside Acting, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the inner and outer game of success in the entertainment industry. I'm Trevor Algott, and coming up today in episode 288, part two of our unique casting director roundtable interview, in which we sit down with LA-based casting directors Alan Hooper, Caroline Leem, and Jane Jenkins to dig further into the ever-evolving legal side of this casting workshop issue. And today, Alan, Carolyn, and Jane discuss their motivation to facilitate and their mission in facilitating their own casting director workshops, a few more details surrounding the city's workshop investigation, as well as some of the nuances of the charges being brought, and perhaps a different way to frame what workshops are and can accomplish for actors. Support for this episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by Rehearsal Pro, the essential app for actors, which is now available in a brand new version in the iTunes App Store. So if you want to learn your lines, if you want to be off book for your auditions, if you want to explore your character, make really strong choices and do a whole lot more, go to Rehearsal.pro slash IAP right now where you can learn all about the great new features in this newest version of Rehearsal, the groundbreaking app designed by actors for actors and download it for yourself. It's an essential tool that every actor should have in their toolbox. That's rehearsal.pro slash IAP. Support for this episode of Inside Acting is brought to you by printheadshots.com, superior headshot printing. At printheadshots.com, all orders include free shipping, free retouching, free layouts, free proofs, and no hidden fees. You don't pay a dime until you approve your proofs. And you can use promo code IA, that's IA as in Inside Acting, to get $10 off your order. Most orders arrive within just a day or two. So for superior printed headshots with unparalleled turnaround time, visit printheadshots.com and be sure to use promo code IA for $10 off. Printheadshots.com, superior headshots at the lowest prices guaranteed. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 288. Trev here, AJ was actually off in nature, in nature land, uh, during uh, the uh, period of time in which we were going to be recording this episode, and so he sent in a recording from the trail, and I love these dispatches, so I'm going to play that for you in just a second. But before we jump into the interview, I just want to kind of say something about the, the nerve that we seem to have touched on, the reaction that we seem to have sparked with this, uh, this interview series, this, this cast and director workshop roundtable. Uh, next week, we're going to be reading a short rebuttal response from a respected and very loved past guest. And then we're going to move on because our aim with this podcast has always been to empower and inform the community, not to take sides. And 
We're the first to admit it's not always easy to do that, but we do strive to maintain an unbiased approach with our interviews, especially when it comes to the really sensitive and divisive legal or political stuff like this. We are not perfect. We are also the first to admit that. But we hope that our past episodes and interviews about this particular issue, this workshop debate thing, and, and all the various pros and cons that come with it, and of course, all the unfolding events as of late, we hope that our, I don't know, coverage, for lack of a better term, has been worthy of that aim, that aim to empower and inform actors, not necessarily to tell people what to do or what side to take. Uh, of course, we always welcome your emails, your voice memos and messages, your thoughts, your tweets, everything, all of it. We welcome you sharing all of that. Don't worry about filtering it or anything like that. We do, uh, I should note, consciously avoid flame wars, uh, anything that devolves into name calling or shaming Anything like that is, is not really our style, so if, if you bring that to the table, we're probably going to ignore you. Uh, but we do welcome intelligent, considerate discussion of anything and everything that we have ever talked about here on the show, not just this issue. So please feel free to share your thoughts. Next week, we will be returning to a focus on working artists making art and the pursuit of making a living making that art. And we've got some really great interviews in the pipeline, so be sure to stay tuned for that. Also, I want to offer a, a quick shout out to all of our supporting and contributing members. Uh, if you have ever tweeted kind words about this podcast or left us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud or any of the places that we are, or if you've emailed us just to say thanks or shared your, your, your journey or success stories, or even if you've chipped in a few bucks or in many people's cases, more than a few bucks. We've gotten some wonderfully generous contributions over the years. I just want to take a minute here just to say thank you. Seriously, like from the bottom of our hearts, we so appreciate all of your support. So, so incredibly very much. Uh, and the contributions that you guys send in, the monetary, you know, nickel and dime and dollar contributions that you share with us, that you contribute to help offset production costs and uh, keep the lights on here at uh, Inside Acting HQ. It means everything to an indie podcast like us. It's one of the reasons we've been able to keep the show relatively ad-free and gone really light on some of the stuff that a lot of other productions use to sort of, I don't know, make money doing this. It's never been our aim to make this a full-time gig or anything like that, but it is really nice to be able to offset, like I said, those production costs, and you guys have been so wonderful about keeping us going by helping us pay for those production costs. So thank you. You guys know who you are. And we know who you are, too. Thank you so, so very much. All right. So AJ called in from the trail. Hey, guys. It is day three, or I guess the evening of day three, of an epic, multi-day, many-mile backcountry backpacking trip um, that uh, Jasmine and I are on. Um, <clears throat> basically four days and three nights out in the backcountry of Sequoia National Park and Kings Canyon National Park, um, and the surrounding wilderness areas. It has been an amazing experience, very trying on the body, physically and mentally, but, um, I'm so grateful for it. And... You know, it brings a lot of clarity, not having cell phone reception and, um, 
you know, the passivity of reacting to an inbox. Um, it's not exactly relaxing. I wouldn't call it that. You're very focused and you're very, um, you're always moving and you're typically always moving towards an objective, uh, like a place to camp or something like that, which is, I think, really fascinating. And the level of focus that we achieved from day to day was pretty amazing. I mean, we would stop to take breaks and filter water and eat food and stuff, but when we were hiking, it was, you know, that's all we were doing was hiking and, um, and looking at the beauty surrounding us, which is unbelievable, uh, simply unbelievable. I got, when we got to the top of this one pass, I nearly cried because it was just so breathtaking. Um, I definitely got goosebumps. Uh, and meanwhile, back in La La Land, I get to put myself on tape as soon as I get back for, um, this is my second time auditioning for Hamilton for the second, um, national tour that will be going out, uh, I believe sometime next year. Uh, they've always planned on having, um, you know, uh, a sit in the big cities like, um, New York and Chicago, and then two simultaneous national tours. Um, and who knows, maybe they'll end up doing international stuff as well. But, um, this time it's for a role as opposed to general male ensemble, which is cool. It's for, um, George Washington, which, uh, I don't know if I'm completely suited for that, but, uh, it's going to be fun. And I've been practicing a little bit while I've been out here on the trail, which is just, uh, ridiculous rapping and kind of singing at a low volume. Uh, so anyway, um, greetings from the middle of nowhere. And, um, I'm excited to get back and receive and send all of your um, interest via, you know, social media and, uh, and email. Um, in other words, if you have any questions about this kind of stuff, feel free to reach out to me and, uh, I'll see you on the trail. I'll actually be seeing AJ tonight, so I'll have to ask him how that, uh, how that meeting went, that audition, that on-tape meeting, if you can still call it that. Uh, and I, I love those dispatches. Thanks for sharing that, AJ. And we do have some really great questions that have been sent in uh, by listeners over the past few weeks that uh, we've got on the outline. We're really stoked to respond to them, but I'm going to save those for when AJ and, our bo- AJ and I are both back live here uh, on the next episode. So without further ado, part two of our casting workshop roundtable with Caroline Lean, Alan Hooper, and Jane Jenkins. Enjoy this, guys, and we will catch you on the other side.
Caroline, I know we're going to lose you at, uh, in a few minutes here because I know you've got a boogie, but I wanted to ask you guys uh, before we do, what what is your, because Alan, you just said that, you know, the the sort of presumption that we go to these workshops to find talent, that like, that's the only reason is, is ridiculous. You, and you just talked about how sort of overwhelming it can be sometimes almost to have to have uh, online casting practice. I mean, 4,700 roles or 4,700 submissions for a single role. I want to ask you guys, what is your main motivation then for, for doing workshops? Well, I, I have to, I can only speak for, for myself. I, I, I did start out as an actor and I was so, and I had great training. I went to the high school of performing arts, studied at Berghoff Studios in New York with great teachers and then I walked in the first time I ever met a casting director. I could hardly talk. Every ounce of saliva evaporated from my mouth. My heart was beating so hard that I, I thought it could be seen through my shirt. I literally sat in a chair and held onto my knees because they were trembling so much. So that trying just to remain like a calm, sane human being, I don't even remember the name of the person that I met. And I see actors, for 40 years I have seen actors walk into my office in a very similar state very frequently. And of course you're not going to get the job because you can't breathe, you can't think, you can't sit, you can't be a person, therefore you can't be an actor. And I just felt that I have the time at this point in my life to share my experience of 40 years to enlighten a lot of these younger kids, especially younger actors, who think their whole lives depend on this meeting and to inform them that nobody's life depends on any of it. And if you walk in just to introduce yourself as who you are, that's all you need to do. So I, I've never, ever hired an actor from any workshop. I have helped a lot of actors who have gone on and been really successful, but that was never my intent to hire actors. I just felt that I have 40 years of really valuable experience and I know what it was like to walk into the room and be on the other side of the desk. And I just wanted to calm people down and tell them to rip. <laughs> yeah. And for me, uh, I, similar, similar to Jane, uh, I graduated from college and had an audition and a callback for a, a pretty big feature film. And I did not know how to be in that room. And uh, it was very awkward, it was very uncomfortable, and it was not collaborative by any means because I didn't know how to show up for myself in that room. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I left that callback and I called my professor and, and I said, you did not prepare me for this. I'm gonna go learn how to do this and I'm gonna come back and teach it to your students. And that's what I did. So uh, I, I got into casting from there and then it's, it's become a mission of sorts, uh, not intentionally, but it's, it's fallen into that. Uh, I, I talk at a lot of universities. I co-founded an education company. I'm, it's now a former education company for me, but uh, my business partner is still there, uh, who uh, we go into colleges, we go into high schools, and we talk about what these transitions are and how do you prepare for this audition room and how do you prepare um, 
to be the best you in the room sharing who you are with material that maybe you identify with and maybe you don't identify with, but how do you bring the best you in? And from that, I became faculty at Pace University. So I'm, I'm big on education. I have a lot of degrees. And in the middle of that, I've been casting for 18 years. So I'm all about the give back. You don't make a lot of money teaching, <laughs> you know? So, um, and with regards to the workshops themselves, I mean, they're helpful. We've, we've been talking about this for almost the last hour is, you know, it's all about educating. It's all about arming people with the best tools and techniques so they can be the best human being in the room. Um, and really validate and empower themselves. Um, Yeah, and for me, I, you know, like a lot of people, moved to Los Angeles to pursue acting and found out it was a gateway drug to a better career in the entertainment industry. (laughs) Uh, But I attended workshops as an actor, you know, many, many workshops as an actor. And so then when I was on the other side, you know, as as a casting assistant, I got an invite to come do a workshop. And I thought, you know, as an actor, f- fresh off of that side and fresh into the casting world, I was like, you know, in the casting office daily going, oh, my God, this all makes sense. You know, everything people tried to tell me, <laughs> I now see and I understand better. So maybe I can go and help actors, you know, explain to them that, yes, they're not lying to you. They do want you to be good when you're in the room. You know, casting people don't hate you. They love you and they they are hoping you will succeed. You know, if for no other reason, then they get to go home and spend time with their family. They can, you know, once you book the role, you've saved us, you know, having to keep looking for it. Um, but for me, it was it was always about trying to help others, you know, uh, take that journey to make themselves a better actor and try and. Uh, you know, we always say demystify the process. That sounds a little frou-frou for me, but mm-hmm. it really is it to, you know, meet somebody and see, uh, you know, who they are, that they're a real person. They're not the boogeyman. And, you know, we're all in this together. It's a, uh, you know, it's an artistic collaborative effort. And I just wish actors would realize that they truly have, you know, that none of us have any power in Hollywood, but actors have more, much more power than they think they have. Mm-hmm. Collaborative, I think, is the key word there. I, whenever I go into an audition, I try to remember I am a creative person collaborating with another creative person. And if it jives, great. If it doesn't, then it wasn't meant to be next. Exactly. And, and um, you know, I think a lot of us forget that. You know, we go in and, and oh, my God, there's this terrifying person. So I, I love that, you know, each one of you guys sitting like, look, I do this because it, it makes my job easier because it's a great way to give back. I've been mm-hmm. there. I've been in your shoes as an actor. And it's it is terrifying sometimes. And so here's a way to make it easier. Love that. Uh, Carolina, I know you've got to go. Thank you so much for joining this call. Thank you so much for having me and enjoy the rest of the conversation. Talk to you later. Cool. Thanks. Bye-bye, Carol. So I want to get back to, we, we talked a little bit about the Actors Keys efforts to change their practices uh, and some of the kind of stuff that happened there. And I, I liked Actors Key. You know, I'd been to a bunch of these workshop um, organizations before and some weren't so great. Actors Key was one of the fantastic best ones. So can we talk a little bit more about exactly what was happening? You said, you said they were in the city of Burbank, so that was hopefully going to be a technicality that would help them out, but it didn't. 
Correct. And, you know, it's, I mean, they are, they are licensed and located in the city of Burbank. Uh, but the city attorney's office has made their uh, reason why they think that they have jurisdiction outside the city of Los Angeles, which was basically uh, the gist of their argument was that James Runcorn was sitting in his apartment in Los Angeles and on the internet purchased the workshop, which means, you know, per the judge's ruling, if James Runcorn had purchased a workshop in New York City, Mark Lambert could have prosecuted them if he chose to, you know, or just San Francisco or San Diego, Chicago, anywhere in the world you know, per the judge's ruling, the city of Los Angeles now has jurisdiction. And talk about overreach of power. Yeah. 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 Uh, you say in, in the bullet point um, notes that you shared that, uh, that uh, let's see here, they, they, they gave Mark uh, a tour. I'm not sorry, not Mark. Um, James, a tour of the... Uh, of the... Uh, no, they, uh, there's a guy, Frank, his name's Frank Capitillo. Okay. And he is uh, an investigator for the city. Okay. And it was Frank Capitillo that um, this was last year. It was, believe it or not, after Runcorn had done his video surveillance, uh, letters went out uh, from Mark Lambert uh, to various casting people who later ended up being charged. Uh, and the letters said, we're doing an investigation. We'd like you to come down to City Hall and, you know, it was the old 80s cop thing of you yeah. should get in front of this and come down and talk to us. And uh, per advice uh, from a, a lawyer that the Teamsters were kind enough to provide at the time, uh, none of them went down and talked to him because the idea was whatever we say, they're going to distort. So they all declined this invitation. But Actors Key, you know, they said – you know, bring your investigator in. We want to show you how we run our business. We want to show you what we do. We'd like to answer any questions you have. And we would like you to tell us anything you see that we should change. And we are open to making that change. And they were met with silence to all of their requests, all of their emails for help. The only response they got was charges that led to their bankruptcy. So there was no gray area whatsoever. There was no assistance from the city. You would yeah. think the government, you know, rather they didn't than just correct anything, they just attacked. They, you know, there's no here's what you could change, here's what you could do. It's here, come to court and let us drain you and put you out of business. Hmm. And that's that's exactly what happened. They just yep. bankrupted them basically. And how many actors are out money that they had on account with Actors Key yeah. because of the city? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about the evidence. Uh, you talked about James Runcorn having video surveillance, which is uh, of questionable legal, uh, <laughs> a yeah. questionable legal thing. But uh, but you said the, the the not a job disclaimer, which is which is sort of a, a standard sort of opening for each of these workshops. The casting director says this is not guarantee employment. This is not a job interview. Can we start with that and then talk about some of the evidence that was presented as, as yeah, a case against the workshops? In, in sitting in court and just kind of overhearing, you know, different conversations, um, what we've gathered is that the city's case depends on a few things. And the first thing is that they're saying the not-a-job disclaimer was read, but it wasn't read by the casting professional. And that just seems like splitting hairs. And it's crazy because the disclaimer 
is not even part of the labor code. You know, there's nothing in the labor code that, you know, dictates what you have to say. Um, but it is part of the California workshop guidelines, which have been around since early 2000. I get, uh, I don't even know what the right word is. I just get flummoxed by all of this because it just seems so uh, nitpicky. And like you said, I'm trying to figure out where Mark Lambert's coming from. What good thing does he think he's doing, you know, to, you know, that makes him think he's a champion of actors. If you see the the photo of him that the Hollywood reporter ran, you know, he's standing in the halls of justice looking like he's Superman. So I know that's how he sees himself, but I can't for the life of me with all of the information I have put myself into his headspace and figure out what he's thinking that makes him think this is the best way to help actors. Alan, I've been wanting to talk about the uh, the press side of things because I think it's a, an important aspect to this whole thing. And you just mentioned, you know, um, the picture of him in the in the Hollywood Reporter. There, I know that that for the most part, this most recent um, upheaval, if you will, uh, began with a, an article that was run in the Hollywood Reporter, um, and I know that. Uh, the the press and the, the the media coverage on the issue has actually played a part, almost like in our uh, national politics. It's it's played it's it's had its role in in this in this sort of drama. Um, can you talk about uh, a little bit about what that role has been and how it's kind of impacted the um, the state of things and the and the trial itself? Yes, I, I will be glad to. Um, first, let me give you a couple. <laughs> let me just give you a couple of facts, which is James Runcorn's first undercover video, you know, uh, investigation was February eighth, two thousand sixteen. Gary Baum's first article, which was his big expose, was published March thirtieth, two thousand sixteen. So for him to claim that he's the reason behind this investigation is not, you know, warranted by the dates. Now, if you read the article, probably is. Yeah. Well, what he, what he's doing, what the Hollywood reporter is doing is they're fanning the flames. They're pouring gasoline. They are, you know, basically cheering as, you know, I'm going to get very hyperbolic here. They're cheering as Christians are fed to lions and, they're going to they're going to come after me for this statement. But it was the Hollywood reporter that was part of the Red Scare in the 50s outing communists. So it does not surprise me that their journalism would continue to create stuff and constantly out people to try and build up circulation and readers, because I've got I've got a list that's just crazy with what they had done. They, uh, April of 2016, uh, Greg Orson, a very, you know, respected casting director, uh, worked on Vampire Diaries and, and a number of other shows that people have heard of. He had a death in the family that caused him to uh, cancel a workshop. And that is mentioned in the sixth paragraph of Gary Baum's article after he spent five paragraphs explaining how he's the reason, Gary Baum's the reason, and his reporting is the reason that Greg Orson canceled this workshop. So, again, it just makes me livid 
because it's another example of somebody else using the death of a family member to make themselves look good. Uh, with Marcy Leroff, who's you know a CSA board member and part of their workshop committee, in and June, uh, she's been a guest on the podcast before too, Alan. We, yeah. so we're, we're 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 close with Marcy, yeah. So yeah, so a respected member of the casting community. So late June of 2016, Gary Baum writes an article. He quotes Marcy Leroff not because he talked to her, uh, but because Asia Ray Coleman, who uh, runs Acting Resource uh, Guru. Uh, used to be called Workshop Guru. And uh, Marcy talked to Asia Ray. Asia Ray put together a memo of the conversation, handed it out to workshop owners. And one of them, the lady that runs Acting Up Network, handed it to somebody that handed it to Gary Baum. And so Gary Baum's journalistic ethics, or, or I don't know where he learned to be a journalist, but he's quoting somebody off a hearsay. That's insane to me. What is he doing? Um, and if you look at the timeline, um, based off of um, going through the articles and putting this together, May 2015, Gary Baum interviewed James Runcorn. November 2015, Gary Baum interviews Mark Lambert. February 8th of 2016 is when Runcorn goes undercover. And March 30th of 2016 is when Gary Baum writes his first big article. And if you read the later articles, he says James Runcorn's the only actor that would go on the record with him, yet somehow James Runcorn's not in that initial article. You know, it's just... And it's strange that no other actor has ever come forward. Yeah. Even anonymously. So I, I don't know what to make of all that. I, I know it's... <laughs> I have this in, 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 in speaking of these conspiracies, I just got uh, a flash on my phone saying that Steve Bannon is out of the White House. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny Jen says conspiracies because I do have this this worry in my mind that people will hear me and they'll envision yes. me in I, a basement with news clippings, with string going everywhere. But that's why I try to stick to the facts as much as possible. And those dates, I've got articles and other things that back up those facts and, you know, your listeners and, and everybody else can draw their conclusions from that timeline that yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say it's it's tough because it, all, that's all that really, um, it, it can. It's just conclusions that can be drawn, right? You can't really. None of this. None of what we just discussed is sort of uh, has any uh, legal weight, does it? Like it's it's not like something you can um, use as a as a defense. Uh, no, and it's you know it's with what the Hollywood Reporter has done is. You know, they have basically painted everybody as guilty before they've had a trial. You know, they've maligned many people's good names. Uh, you know, Greg Orson and Marcy Liroff just being a couple of them. You know, and it's and all I can tell is their motivation is to sell papers. <laughs> uh, I just don't understand. I really yeah. just don't understand. But I imagine after uh, your this airs. Uh, Gary will be kind enough to write an article explaining to me how I'm wrong. Hmm. <laughs> I I I want to be mindful of time because I know we we all have you know to to busy stuff to kind of get towards. Uh, I know you guys are probably in the middle of casting several projects, uh, but I want to just segue off that last bit and talk about why it's not 
a crime? And we sort of touched on this when we talked about motivation for, for teaching workshops, but why is it not – like why is the city just so completely wrong on this and it's not a crime to be, uh, to be facilitating these workshops? Well, one, they're you know, educational, they're training, and I always get you know, trying to figure out how they get misperceived as a crime. And I think there's a couple of things. One is everything an actor does is also a networking opportunity. Would you agree? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. The slogan for our podcast is is build relationships, not networks. But the idea being that absolutely you've got like nobody, nobody gets anywhere alone. Yeah. Yeah. So since everything an actor does is is relationship building, networking, you know, uh, at least in some part or parcel, you know, So we say these are talent and educational, which they are, but then everybody can go, well, you know, they're also networking. You know, the actors also want something. And I say, duh, that's true of everything an actor does. You know, if I go see a play and there's an actor in the audience also seeing the play, they're going to maybe see me in the lobby at intermission and network. Duh, you know. Um, So I think that's part of it is the. The networking or relationship building component of every actor's life has been magnified because everybody can understand that that's part of the job. And it's eclipsed somehow the education on the training aspects of the workshops. Uh, the other I would say, and it's back to what you said at the beginning, and I had these as well when I attended workshops, but they're those that you would go to and the casting person, you know, it was a drive by, I called it. They couldn't seem to care less, as you say. Uh, and they were just in and out. I would argue that's not a crime. That's just incompetence. You know, that's not doing a good job. And there are plenty of incompetent people that somehow work in this world. But it's not criminal. It's something you should be fired for. It's something you should not be asked back again. And if I want to go even further with it, is I'm sure you've had actual auditions where you may have felt the casting director could have cared less. So in that regard, that workshop opportunity gave you the experience and the training to prepare for a real-world situation where you went and did your best and your ego was on the line and the person couldn't care less and you still had to hold on to your ego and know you did a good job and it wasn't you, it was them. Because that's you know another it's one of the hardest parts I think about being an actor is there are some people that are uncaring, but then there's others that just get busy or stressed or something else. And actors, when they come in for an audition, are very open and vulnerable. Otherwise, they're not doing the job right. And in that state, these little things that you guys pick up on, you sometimes, you a lot of the times think it applies to you when it doesn't. You know, I worked with one guy one time and his his dog had died that morning. And I imagine he was in a bad mood the whole day, and I would imagine most of the actors that came in and read assumed he hated them. They didn't know what had happened. So it's if 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 there was a casting person that said, Hey, give me fifty dollars, I'll give you an audition, I will be the first one in line to help you guys, you know, with the pitchforks and the torches, they should be run out of town. But that's not what happened. That's it's conjecture. Yeah. yeah, it's conjecture. It's speculation. It's 
uh, a, you know, a city attorney's office, which I would hope is very well versed in the law, but they are not versed in show business or acting. And I would say, you know, legal learning does not equate to acting. You know, the other part of the crime, in quotes, is uh, the taking of the actor's pictures so that you can, in a workshop situation, you can look at their pictures and then you have to give them back. Well, if there are, if I'm not in the middle of casting anything, but there are some people that I thought were really interesting who I'd like to hold, know who they are, what is the crime in holding on to an actor's picture that at some point I may be able to bring them in if I am working on a project? That they're appropriate for. What what is that crime about? Yeah, because it's we we know the name of the person that's in the class. Yeah, I, we can you know, I keep the little list with my yeah. notes about the actors, but I don't. We could to, easily. Yeah, we could easily go to breakdown and print out a headshot and resume. You know, I have a publicly posted email address. I'll be glad to say it right now. It's postcard at alanhooper.com, and it allows any actor in the world to send me anything, and. You know, it's asinine to me that an actor sitting in a workshop with a smartphone can email me their picture and resume, but the city says they can't hand me a hard copy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have the, the same thing. You know, inevitably actors will ask me how they can stay in touch even after I've announced that I'm pretty much retired and not working um, on anything. And I also have uh, on, my, on my IMDb page is uh, my email and I, and I always say, if you're working on something, if you want to have me tune in a TV show that you're send it to me, I'm not going to become your pen pal, but let me know. And if I can, I will. If you guys could summarize this entire situation and your stance on it in just one or two sentences, what would those one or two sentences be? Well, for me, this has been a really unfair nightmare for those who are involved and I think that the effect that it's had on the town in general and the people that participate in workshops has been really um, tragic. Yeah, to me, it's all about choice. You know, who's going to decide what is legitimate? Is it going to be the paying customer, the actor, or is it going to be five people at City Hall? You know, and I know you guys have discussed this before. It's like actors' equity. Who decided the 99-seat waiver should be done away with? Was it the members of equity or was it a small panel of people that thought they knew better than the overwhelming number of the membership that wanted it to stay? So that's what it's about. You know, what it's, it's really about what kind of country do we live in? Do we live in one where the citizens decide – what is best for them and how they live their lives and how they spend their money, or are there five people appointed to tell us all how to live our lives? Hmm. That's powerful to think about it that way. I hadn't thought about it in that context previously. Uh, we ha I just want to ask you guys two more things before we let you go. Number one, I want to talk quickly about this um, casting defense fund, casting director defense fund that uh, it looks yep. like Jeremy sent a link over. Can you tell us about that? Mm -hmm. Well, because the, 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 everybody is spending so much money and these people are largely unemployed at this point because it's harder for them to get a job because there is now an onus on who they are, uh, we set up a defense fund to help defray some of the costs that some of the people involved are experiencing. And yeah. 
which really would be a great thing for any of your listeners who have an extra five bucks, ten bucks, um, hundred bucks to uh, to support the people who have been uh, so harmed by this. Yeah, it's on generosity.com. And it's, uh, if you search Generosity Casting Defense Fund, it will come up as the first listing. And Jason Kennedy uh, spearheaded this. He's a co-casting director with Susan Bluestein on the NCIS shows. And he put it together to help his fellow casting people. And it's raised over $30,000, but divided by 18, it helps. But it, you know, it's, there's a lot more that could be done. Um, but he has stepped forward greatly in trying to help those in need. And so my hat's always off to him for sticking his neck out there because he's been attacked for putting together that defense fund. It's, it's insane. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So we'll have a link to that in the show notes of this episode for anybody listening who'd like to check it out and, and kick a few dollars to some of the people that have been more adversely affected by this. Uh, before we let you guys go, I definitely want to take advantage of your wisdom and experience. This is one of the questions we ask all our guests to respond to right before we, we end the show or the episode. But um, I, I want to ask you guys, if you could, this situation notwithstanding, just in a general sort of life context, if you could impart one nugget of wisdom or knowledge to an actor or to somebody else walking this this human path alongside you, what would that one nugget of, of knowledge or wisdom be? Be true to yourself. It's, you know, you can't please anybody else. You have to follow your own path and, and do it as vigorously as as you can. But the only person to please is, is yourself. And you can only do that by being your true self. Yeah, that's great advice. I would give a technical piece of advice, which is get the words right. <laughs> <laughs> I, speech, speech, I pray thee. <laughs> yeah, because I, you know, I primarily work on comedies, and every time the actor changes the words, it it diminishes their good work every time. And and I get there's situations where people are asked to improvise, there's situations where they're asked to be loose with the script. But uh, to me, the default should be do the words exactly as written. They were written that way for a reason. Do you add a, uh, a, uh, well, so, like, to Shakespeare? You know, do you tell David Mamet you're going to add a button to his scene? Uh, you know, get, get the words right. And you'd be amazed at uh, how many actors don't. And, and, you know, I see it every day that it just diminishes, like I said, it diminishes their good work. And so if you guys could just pay a little more attention to the script don't worry about being off book. Hold the page in your hand. It's your stage manager letting you call for line. Uh, you know, that's off book is great advice, but it's been taken too far in auditions. Hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah. I've, I've worked with enough writers to, to, to know that, that sometimes it is the smallest thing, one word in that sentence that they slaved over for hours to decide whether or not it was the right word. And then you have somebody come in and you know, completely gloss over it. It's like, Ooh, what are you doing? You're caught. <laughs> like, don't Especially do that. Especially in comedy. There's a rhythm to comedy and, uh, and the words do really make an enormous difference in the timing. Yeah. 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 We, we worked on a, on a play and they just changed one letter. A number, a couple of actors changed one letter and it changed the meaning because it was supposed to be those people. And they said, these people. Mm -hmm. And there's a big connotation difference between those two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, go ahead, AJ. 
Yeah, I just wanted to say thank you both for that because, you know, I was thinking, um, and I meant to say this in the beginning of the call, uh, it would be lovely to have all of you back on as guests talking about, you know, perhaps uh, some more fun <laughs> things or uh, or actually getting your wisdom and experience that you would actually bring into a, uh, a casting office. But um, as we wrap up, we usually ask people, how can how can people find out more about you? Like, are you on Twitter and, and, and those kinds of things? But instead, I'm going to switch it up and just say, in addition to the casting defense fund that we mentioned, what other action steps or what else can people do to kind of support in this situation? I know Jeremy was saying something about, you know, contacting um, the mayor's office or the LACD attorney's office. I'm not sure uh, what what he said exactly, but what are some other things that 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 actors, our listeners, et cetera, who feel impassioned by um, what's going on uh, can actually do um, as far as concrete action steps? I would say there's two things they can do. Um, a number of actors have written letters of support to the casting people. And, you know, it, it, it helps them emotionally to read those letters of people that support them and stand with them. And, you know, for those that may not have the financial means to help out, and I get that that's kind of the actor's life, um, you know, the letter, it, it really does help them emotionally. And the other thing... Uh, every actor can do is call the Screen Actors Guild um, and go, you know, we hear actors are being subpoenaed by the city. What? You know, yeah. we hear, um, we invalued workshops. We thought workshops were great for us. What are you guys doing to help with this? And I'm alluding to the fact that Duncan Crabtree Ireland, he's general counsel for SAG, actually stood at the press conference when these charges were announced. And he specifically is who actors should contact and go, Duncan, I don't, why were you standing there with the city? You know, the membership would like there to be workshops because, uh, and SAG, you know, supports workshops. They do them themselves. And the SAG Foundation is its own nonprofit. But it's still the SAG Foundation. You know, they do workshops. So SAG supports workshops. They just, unfortunately, the optic of him standing there with the city and all he knew when he stood there with the city was that they were getting people that were scamming actors. Yeah. Six months later, we know that's not the case. And so, you know, if SAG could come forward and publicly show their support that we know they have for us, it would go a great deal to helping uh, end this and, you know, uh, diminish the delays that the city had been throwing at us. I I I, uh, I second that motion. I think that if actors would just write to the Screen Actors Guild and express <clears throat> their support, it would be enormously helpful. Okay. And I and I also want to thank the two two of you for uh, for the podcast that you do and the information that you. Uh, put out there every single podcast. I think it's really an invaluable service. Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you so much. That That's wonderful to hear. And, and thank you guys for your time. Um, really, really excited to get this out to the community. And just like, you know, as, as we said before, keep people empowered, informed, on point, on their A-game, going out and just creating an industry that's going to be beneficial for everybody. That really is, as you said, Alan, in the hands of, of actors. We have more power, I think, than a lot of us realize. And that this has been a great reminder of that. Um, so thank you again, guys. Really appreciate it. Thank You're you. You're welcome. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having us. 
Alright everybody, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed part two of two. That's the second and final part of our casting workshop roundtable with Carolyn, Allen, and Jane. And again, I want to thank them for their time, for their candidness, uh, for for kind of, I don't know, I mean, it, it's not easy to take a stand in this world uh, and, and stand up for what you believe in. And um, I'm just grateful that they... Uh, were willing to do this on the air and and share this side of the story uh, with actors. Now, whether you uh, agree with them or disagree with them, whether you believe what they're saying is the truth or not, just take it all and uh, you know make your own opinion. Do your own research. Do your own homework, and go with your gut. That's all that we've ever really wanted to uh, empower actors to do is just to put good stuff out there and just show people that there's a million different ways to get from point A to point B, and the the best and fastest way is usually the way that is not only the simplest but also the one that agrees with your sense of morality, your sense of rightness, whatever it is that you have inside of you, and it's going to be different. They're going to be with people that are going to think the opposite is the best. So, you know, do 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 your thing. You do you. You do you. But thank you for listening. And again, uh, Carolyn, Jane, and Alan, thank you so much for sharing uh, your experience and your take and everything that you have learned and, and gone through and everything that you're fighting uh, for uh, in this uh, issue going forward. As I mentioned before, we're going to have a rebuttal from a very well-respected and uh, much-loved past guest next episode, and then we are going to be moving on from this issue and getting back to the art, the art and the practice of making art and making a living with that art. So, Stay tuned for that next episode. So many great interviews in the pipeline. We're excited to bring you guys so many. Uh, picks of the week, we're going to shelve until next week when AJ is back with us. So that is it for episode 288, which was produced and hosted by me, Trevor Algott, and you heard AJ earlier. Jen Levin is our production coordinator. Gadali Gubrak is our marketing and web director. Deborah Smith is our community manager. And Grace Gordon is our director of public relations. Fern Lim designed our logo. And Trevor Algott, that's me, edited and mixed today's episode and composed the theme and interview music. You can sign up for our weekly email dispatch and listen to all of our episodes over at our website, InsideActing.net. You can also find us on social media and pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute... Leaving this review on iTunes is a great way to not only help us out, but help other people find the show. There's a lot of weird algorithms and ranking systems that go into podcast uh, visibility on the iTunes store, and your reviews help so, so much. So please, uh, if you've got a moment and you enjoy the show and you're not in a place to financially contribute, but you want to share the love, leaving this review helps a lot. Big thanks to our sponsors, Rehearsal Pro and VO2GoGo, the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best Voiceover Training four years in a row. Don't forget, you can visit VO2GoGo.com slash start to get access to a free Getting Started in VoiceOver online class that will help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VO, the number two, GoGo.com slash start. And thanks to you guys, our listeners. You can visit our website and subscribe to our weekly newsletter, get links to everything we've talked about in this episode and in all our episodes. And if you'd like, that's where you can also support the continued production of the show with either a one-time financial contribution or an ongoing contribution as part of our membership. Just visit us at insideacting.net to learn more and to show us some love. And that does it for episode 288 of Inside Acting. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, follow your guts.